When inflationary pressures began to ramp higher in early 2021, there was a conventional wisdom that these pressures would be transitory. The notion at that time was that inflation was driven by temporary factors like the shock of reopening the economy. More than a year later, inflation is worse than it was then. To counter rapidly rising prices, central banks around the world have been ratcheting interest rates higher to slow economic growth, thereby relieving pressures on supply chains and moderating price increases. But what if even higher interest rates are not enough to solve the world's inflation problem? According to a recent Wall Street Journal article, there are three forces reshaping the global inflation outlook. First, the reversal of globalization. Increased flows of trade, money, people, and ideas flourished with the end of the Cold War and China's entry into the international trading system during the 1990s. But with growing tensions between superpowers, shifts in domestic politics, and war in Eastern Europe, globalization is meeting resistance. Second, there are fewer workers available to hire in many societies. And third, energy and commodity prices remain high, in part because many companies operating in these segments haven't invested much in new production over the past decade. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by writer Lydia DePillis, writing on behalf of the New York Times, economists have been examining the impact of climate change for almost as long as scientists have been aware of it. During the 1970s, Yale economist William Nordhaus began constructing a model intended to measure the impact of global warming on economic growth. The work was first published in 1992 and formed the foundation of a field of scholarship assessing the cost to society of each ton of emitted carbon. Those costs were offset by the benefits of cheaper power. In other words, the model sought to answer the question, is cheaper power valuable enough to allow the world to get hotter? Based on his research, Dr. Nordhaus emerged as a leading voice advocating for a national carbon tax that would discourage use of fossil fuels and propel a transition toward more sustainable forms of energy. In 2018, Dr. Nordhaus secured the Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences. However, his ideas have not always been embraced. President Biden recently signed the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes $392 billion in climate-related subsidies. Rather than impose taxes, the legislation offers tax credits, loans, and grants, which have been viewed as less efficient than simply penalizing carbon emissions. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. The National Center for Health Statistics recently reported that the average life expectancy of Americans declined sharply during both 2020 and 2021. The past two years have witnessed the sharpest two-year decline in American life expectancy in nearly 100 years. Last year, the average American could expect to live until the age of 76. That represents a loss of nearly three years since 2019, the last year prior to the pandemic. That year, Americans could expect to live nearly 79 years on average. As indicated by the New York Times, the decline in life expectancy has been especially pronounced among Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Average life expectancy for these groups declined by four years in 2020 alone. The cumulative decline in life expectancy among these groups has totaled more than six and a half years on average since the pandemic, which means that the life expectancy among Native Americans and Alaska Natives 
has dipped to 65 years, on par with the figure for all Americans in 1944. While the pandemic has been responsible for most of the decline in life expectancy, an increase in accidental deaths and drug overdoses has also contributed. The same can be said for heart disease and chronic liver disease, according to the report. For WIPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. Despite the fact that America's gross domestic product declined in real terms during the first two quarters of 2022, many economists continue to indicate that America is not in recession and has not been in one. At the heart of these claims is the ongoing strength of the U.S. labor market. Recessions are often characterized by rising unemployment and a dearth of available jobs for job seekers. But the present situation is the precise opposite, with employers struggling to find enough workers to fill a available positions. According to the Labor Department's Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, there were 11.2 million available unfilled jobs in July, or approximately two job openings for every unemployed American. As indicated by CNBC, it is true that there has been news of recent layoffs at companies ranging from Apple to Walmart, but by all accounts, those occurrences aren't shifting the numbers in the aggregate. At less than 1% of the workforce, the layoff rate remains near historic lows. When workers leave jobs, it is largely on their own terms. In July, 4.2 million people quit their jobs. Not only are many workers seeking out new jobs in a still tight labor market, they're also setting salary expectations higher. For WIPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. There has been a lot of chatter recently about growing credit card balances. The notion is that Americans are not taking on these balances because they are especially confident about economic prospects, but because they have to given rapidly rising prices for food, energy, and many other items. Despite that, according to a new report from FICO, the national average credit score sits at an all-time high of 716. As indicated by CNBC, FICO is a developer of one of the credit scores most widely utilized by lenders. FICO credit scores range from 300 to 850. While scores have not improved over the past year, they also haven't declined. But it is conceivable that as more people take on more debt, average credit scores will begin to fade. The credit card utilization rate measures the ratio of debt to total credit. It is one of many factors that can influence your credit score. As of April 2022, average credit card utilization was a bit more than 31%, up from less than 30% a year earlier. If one's credit score is above 670, that's considered good. A very good score is above 740, and anything above 800 is considered exceptional. Believe it or not, nearly half of Americans have a credit score of 750 or higher. About 15% have a score less than 600. For WIPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu.